0: In this episode of 2000 Books, marketing guru John Jansh talks about marketing strategy and systems that every entrepreneur needs to apply in their business. Well, hello, hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books, where we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs every single week. And I'm your host and former computer engineer turned entrepreneur, Manny Vaya. So these days, people often ask me, Manny, you've read over a thousand books now what is it what is that one most important success lesson you've learned from all these books what separates the successful from everyone else so i decided to create a free video course to show you exactly what that number one ingredient of success is and how anyone can develop it you can get it for free at 2000books.com success that's 2000books.com success For more than 20 years, John Janch has coached small business owners on growing their businesses. His blog, Duct Tape Marketing, was recognized by Forbes magazine as the best blog on small business marketing. He's the best-selling author of Duct Tape Marketing, Duct Tape Selling, The Commitment Engine, The Referral Engine, and SEO for Growth. Today, we're talking about his outstanding book, Duct Tape Marketing, the world's most practical small business marketing guide. John, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Welcome.
1: Thanks for having me. Thank I you. Love to talk about all things
0: marketing. Absolutely, and I, I want to dig into it. But before we dig into the book, uh, let's get into your story, your business story, and what led you to writing this book.
1: Sure. So I started actually my own marketing consulting firm uh, coming up on twenty-eight years ago, and really like a, I had before, prior to that, I had worked for an ad agency for about five years, and really just. Decided I was unemployable and I wanted to do my own thing and uh, without any real plan. uh, No clients uh, to speak of. Uh, I I went out and just started hustling work. I knew I could sell projects and pretty much anything anybody said they'd pay me for, I'd say, sure, I could do that. Um, And, you know, eventually got to the point after a couple of years of doing that, actually started uh, growing a traditional agency. And uh, really got to the point where I loved working with small business owners, but uh, found them sort of frustrating. Uh, They had the same problems and needs as much larger organizations, but certainly never the same budgets and not really even the same attention span. And so at some point I decided if I were going to continue to work with small business, which I loved to do, I was going to have to create a – a very systematic way to do it where I could walk in and say, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what you're going to do. Here are the results we hope we can get. And by the way, here's what it costs. And after about three presentations that way, I quickly discovered because all three said yes. Well, you know, when can I do that? Um, I, I really quickly discovered that in in trying to solve my greatest frustration, I was actually addressing one of the greatest frustrations of small businesses. It's actually very hard, even today, as a small business owner, to buy marketing in any sort of Integrated, systematic, strategic way. I mean, everybody's selling a piece. Uh, there's an SEO person, a social person, a content person, a website designer, and that is very tough. That it makes it very tough for a small business owner to pull together all of the right pieces and the right pull the right levers to uh, to have this kind of integrated, systematic approach. So I think it was it was kind of music to their ears as well. And so I, uh, I, I went out and continued and built my practice really to capacity, uh, doing that very approach and, and, and really kind of said, well, how, you know, how can I expand this? I really didn't want to continue to build the traditional agency. So I started, uh, l- this was really right about the time when people, it was obvious people were going to be able to create content and sell products online. Uh, so I decided to take the duct tape marketing approach and, and, and Create a an online course version of it, and and that really actually is when the when when the name came about because I I felt like it couldn't just be you know here's John's great big marketing system I wanted to create something that was kind of very branded Uh, so I came up with the name Duct Tape Marketing because it to me it it kind of really was the perfect metaphor for what it's like to to market a small business and um, so. And I know you're going to ask me about the book. At this point, there was no book. <clears throat> there was duct tape marketing and a course, and, and John going out there, uh, you know, showing people how to market. And what happened was, uh, in, in an effort to produce content and do all the kinds of things that would get people to uh, to to realize that I had this product and this course and and some expertise, um, I started blogging. And this was about 2003. Uh, when blogging was still in its uh, complete infancy and, uh, you know, fortunately that really took off and, and you know, led to getting the duct tape marketing brand a lot of exposure. And believe it or not, I, I kind of backed into the book uh, in that I, I just started receiving inquiries from publishers who said, hey, when are you going to write duct tape marketing? <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, so, you know, a lot of people go out and write a book and then build a business around that. I'd actually just took what I had been doing for, at that point, six or seven years and uh, really distilled it into the, the book that became known as Duct Tape Marketing.
0: Yeah, and and that absolutely shows in the book because the book is <laughs> absolutely wonderful when it comes to small business marketing. There's, it, It's almost like um, a required reading, in my opinion, for any Early stage business because there's so much uh, so much fundamentals that we need to cover, and you cover a lot of those in this book. So let's let's get into it. You bet. Yeah, and the first thing as I as I step back from the book and from all the ideas that I learned from the book, one of the first fundamental understandings I got from the book was that we need systems. We need systems. We need to think systematically. We need to think in terms of systems. We need systems thinking in order to run are marketing. Because a lot of times, almost 99% of times, I see small businesses, they're running marketing very spastically. It it just happens. And then, you know, it happens this week, doesn't happen next week, and then goes on and off. And it's it's a really dangerous way to run your business, right?
1: Yeah. And what's interesting is I encountered many businesses that, that, got that idea. I mean, to get the product made and fixed and shipped and sold, you know, they were very systematic about those uh, those elements. But when it came to marketing, for some reason, there was this belief that marketing wasn't something that could be a system, that it was creative and that it was all this kind of hocus pocus stuff that you had to hire some expert to come in and teach you how to do. And, you know, I think not only is marketing a system and not only do we have to look at marketing as a system, it's probably the most important system uh, in every business. And and if you don't take that approach, uh, and that is why you see so many people fall kind of prey to what I call the idea of the week. Uh, in their marketing and and they you know they chase what they see somebody else doing and and the idea behind the system uh, is that you that it's first off based on a foundation of strategy but but also that you have uh, you focus on the few things that you are going to do and that you're going to do extremely well as opposed to just waking up on Monday and saying gosh what should we do for marketing this week
0: mm. so let's let's go into the life of a small business owner maybe, maybe there's a possibility that the person doesn't even know what is it that works the best, so there's probably a testing phase where they're trying to figure out what will actually stick or and then go and say, "Okay, now I need to create systems around it is that is that the process you take or is there is there something more rudimentary than that or more fundamental than that
1: Well, I think to your first point um you, you know a lot of what happens with business owners and is that they got into the business because they knew how to do something or because they had created, you know, some software that did something. And, you know, marketing almost becomes an afterthought in some in some cases. And most people feel like they don't know anything about it. Um, but what's interesting is, you know, even you look at many of the aspects of, of a business, uh, whatever operations are, whatever finances, whatever marketing is, you know, in many cases, they have to either learn those skills or they have to go out and figure out how to buy those skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, that that's one of the great challenges is that very few people go into business because they're great marketers. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and and so they, they, they're they're quickly having to learn on the job. And, and I think that. Probably the greatest challenge is that so much of what they actually see out there in the name of marketing is so fundamentally terrible <laughs> that, uh, that, that by using that, you know, using what they see out there as examples is actually what leads them kind of into that same sort of rabbit hole. So the, the approach that we take is first and foremost, uh, to, to, to it's all about the customer. It's all about what, the you know the need is that you're solving. It's all about the unique approach that you've taken. It's all about the value that you deliver to some very narrowly defined customer um, or prospect. And that's that's really where we spend time uh, in the beginning. Uh, and you know one of the kind of fundamentals of the duct tape marketing system is strategy before tactics. And mm-hmm. You know, this it doesn't sound like that would be very revolutionary, but my experience is it. it is (laughs) because most people just, you know, when they come up to me at a conference or something, it's like, should I be on Facebook or should I be blogging? Um, It's all about the the tactics, the tools, the networks Um, and what they the first and foremost, they need to figure out. Uh, who is their ideal client, and why, um, and what it is that they do that absolutely uh, makes the competition irrelevant or changes the context of of how somebody would view a business like theirs and until we do that we can't we can 't message uh, we can 't create messaging that is going to attract that ideal client, and we can 't even determine you know whether or not we should be on Facebook or blogging because we don 't know why and and that 's the part that uh, that we spend a great deal of time on. And, and quite frankly, you know, some people don't want to sit still for that because they, they you know, they want to start running ads and <laughs> doing things. And the problem with without having a, a firm foundation to base even all that content on, uh, the, you, you really are going to just be uh, shooting in the dark.
0: Absolutely. This is great. This is great. Because we're almost, yeah, we're talk- you, as you said, strategy before tactics. And they're almost like, uh, as you point out in the book, they're, they're fundamental pillars of strategy, one of which is just understanding our ideal client, understanding, identifying the ideal client and getting into their head, getting into. So let's, let's talk about that. Because that's something that's, kind of difficult for a lot of businesses they assume they make we make assumptions we make certain uh you know i would say hypothesis about this and then we just go about it Uh, what is the process What, what what do you have to do to identify that ideal client
1: well, so the first thing we have to do is uh, shed a little light on this term ideal. Because when I ask people, okay, who makes an ideal client? And I don't know, let's say we're a tree service or we're a remodeling contractor or something. Uh, well, it's anybody who needs remodeling or anybody who needs accounting or anybody who mm-hmm. needs their trees trimmed. You know, that that's as far as most businesses go. Because the, the, the thought is that if I narrow my marketer, I somehow say, well, here's people I don't want to work with that I'm actually cutting off my opportunity. And it's really just the opposite. When you can determine, first off, who you are best suited to serve, and, you, and that's not everybody, <laughs> who you want to serve, and that's not everybody, um, and who you can actually attract um, at this point in time in your business, because that's not everybody. Then all of a sudden you start you start developing this kind of ideal client uh, profile that you can then start saying, well, yes, okay, I need, I want people who. Live in these zip codes who want uh, remodeling, who also believe in you know the process of 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 you know planning and design, who also and and you know again and again you can kind of narrow that down to um, to folks that are going to be an ideal client fit, and then you can focus everything on those uh, those individuals, and it, it 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 really starts I suppose for a lot of businesses uh, that I work with. Um, because they, you know, they have trouble narrowing their focus on who it is makes an ideal client until I ask them, okay, who don't you want to work with? Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, they, they find it very easy to come up with, you know, certain types of clients or certain types of problems or uh, certain you know sizes of businesses even uh, that that they're just not suited to serve. Um, and so all of a sudden when they when they start kind of stripping away that uh, this idea of this very clear picture of an ideal client uh, starts coming into view.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's 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 a process. It's 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 sometimes uh, challenging, but at the same time having the right questions uh, narrows the search down quite dramatically. And one of the key understandings understandings I took away from the book was start with the most profitable segment of your market rather than just a wide segment of your market that that really uh, brings a lot of things into focus right then and there
1: yeah i 've done a lot of work with clients, and one of the things that that I would do i mean they they, they would tell me I have no idea who makes an idea of clients so the first thing i have have them do is actually on a spreadsheet, if that's manageable, just uh, list all their clients and the work they do with them and, and you know, maybe the revenue and the some understanding of the profitability. And what often happens is that's the first time they've really looked at their customer base in that manner. Um, and many times they, they start identifying pockets of business that they're really not even that well set up to serve anymore. You know, a lot of times people get into business and they take anything <laughs> um, and then they, as they evolve and kind of focus in on what they're good at, you know, they still have some of these clients that are hanging out there that, that, you know, are actually not profitable because they're, they're not the right kind of work or because they came in at pricing when you were just getting started. I mean, a variety of reasons. And a lot of times when I do this exercise with people, they they will, Sometimes say, gosh, here's 10 or 15 percent of our customer base that we need to stop trying to serve, or we need we need to fire, or we need to you know find a way to uh, to refer out. Um, the other thing that commonly happens is they didn't, didn't realize that how much business they were doing in certain you know areas of town or or in certain industries, and um, and they just kind of naturally sort of evolved. Uh, to that. And they're not taking advantage of it. They're not, you know, demonstrating their expertise or not considering ways that they could actually, you know, go after more of that market or that industry. Um, so so those are a couple of things that, that I think happen from this profitability standpoint. But the other thing of looking at profitability is that most of the time a client is is profitable because they were the right fit. They had the right challenge, uh, they had they were the right size business, I mean, for a variety of reasons. And so a lot of times that can help us really narrow our focus, um, you know, pretty specifically. And, th- and then I throw another variable on there sometimes is to say, okay, of these profitable clients, which ones refer business to you? Because what I have found is that, you know, obviously a profitable client is probably a good fit, but that client that's also a good fit and who is referring business to you, there's a really good chance that that the, if you could figure out the common characteristics, you know, of those businesses, you will really have a very clear picture of uh, your ideal client. Mm,
0: mm. Yeah, this is this is going super precise on not only the people who you are serving, but also these people who are in turn serving you because they are referring people to you, and they. Bec- that's that's almost like a recipe for uh, generating <clears throat> clients, generating customers for free in some ways. Um,
1: <clears throat> and. Reason people refer is because not only did you do what you said you were going to do, but uh, they liked the experience. Maybe you exceeded their expectations, and so consequently, they they love to talk about you know what a great business you are. So so that's why I really love to focus on that fit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now this is great. So so we just talked about the the ideal clients and finding the ideal clients and getting really specific on that. The other pillar of strategy, as you define it, is understanding what makes our business stand out. What, what is it you know, that's different about our business? What's the contrast? And a lot of businesses become me-too businesses or just like everyone else, right? right? And that is a dangerous place to be.
1: Yeah. In, in fact, my experience is most businesses create their own competition. And <laughs> what I mean by that is that uh, by by trying to be like everybody else or just by default being like everybody else and talking about your business in the same way that everyone else does. Uh, you, you really, uh, you really make it so that the, the prospect out there, the only way they can compare one business to another is to default to price. Um, and you know, what a terrible way to have be your differentiator, unless you just are amazing at having the lowest price for some reason. Um, but uh, uh, what I think is one of the most important ways to to profitably grow a business is to have a unique point of view a unique core message and uh, over, over the years and this is I know we were going to talk about some action steps so I'll kind of hint at one of the action steps here mm-hmm. um, Over the years what I've discovered is most businesses don't have a very good handle on what it is that they do that's unique um, many of the little things that their clients over the years really appreciate and even talk about um, are are little things, things that they just assume everybody does, um, and so it's very difficult in some cases when when a you know business is kind of in the weeds there for them to to see that. And so one of the processes that we do is we we conduct interviews uh, with clients uh, clients of cl- clients, and and we're looking for those themes and and recurring kind of words and phrases that that keep coming up. And you know another great uh, place to look for those uh, as well as, you know, a lot of businesses now are uh, getting re- um, reviewed on mm-hmm. uh, third party sites like Yelp and, you know, Better Business Bureau and uh, obviously Google reviews. And uh, a lot of times the the words and the things that people write into those reviews will look at pretty closely. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, we just started working with a tree service, so it's kind of on my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they uh, they felt that their key point of differentiation was uh, that they're a family-owned local business. And while that's important, uh, and people have told us that's important, uh, when we interviewed their clients and we, we looked at their reviews, almost to a person, the reviews said, yeah, we, we do kind of like that fact, but the, the real reason we like working with them is they show up exactly when they say they're going to. They clean up the job site, you know, meticulously when they're done, um, and the price is always, you know, what they told us it was going to be. I mean, so some of these things that maybe uh, this company kind of assumes everybody does uh, are really the key points of differentiation. So, so actually blasting that message out. That that and making that a key kind of sales message. We're going to show up when we said we were going to. Um, actually, is a is a much stronger way for this business to to be promoting their business because the experience in the market is not is people not showing up when they say they're going to.
0: Mm. So there are there are a couple of things that play here, uh, John. One of them is the fact that the business starts off thinking or assuming that this is their core marketing message, or this is how they stand out, or this is how they are unique. But the market actually has the real say on what it finally comes out to be, in the sense that we can start off by making assumptions about what makes us stand out. And not only assumptions, but we need to have a a certain stand, we need to have this contrast, but at the same time, the market will refine the message. Is that the way to look at it?
1: I I think that's a great way to look at it. And and that One of the ways that you can, uh, I mean, how they experience your business is your brand. I mean, whether regardless of what you're saying and what your website looks like, you know, how how um, clients are actually experiencing your business is a a great marker of what your brand really stands for. And and you need to understand that, because to me. Um, the, the clients that stay with you, the clients that are thrilled, the clients that are leaving reviews, you know, are the ones that that are having an experience that exceeds their expectations. And uh, again, if you start hearing these themes over and over again, there's a really good chance that 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 you ought to pay attention to that because there's. Um, if that's if 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 showing up on time was um, the most important thing to this particular company's ideal clients, there's a really good chance they would attract more ideal clients by using that message as mm-hmm. opposed to the one that they had assumed was important.
0: Yeah, yeah, very powerful. Cool. So let, now, now I want to I want to talk about another key idea in the book because we talk a lot about marketing funnels, like that is the hot topic. <laughs> of this generation of marketing in some ways, or maybe it was always the hard topic, but it's something that, uh, you know, it comes up in every marketing conversation. But you you go beyond that. You say there it's not just a marketing funnel. It's an hourglass. And uh, let's talk about it because there's more to just ending the relationship at the point of sale, right? Or yeah
1: yeah and I think that 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 marketing funnel you know they still teach that uh, at the university level and I, and I just think it's kind of limiting um first off it it uh, t- to me it is based on back in a time when we could create demand and force people down a certain path and because there were only so many places they could get information and and we could control you know how they got information and what their journey looked like and So, you know, we'd squeeze enough of them out of that small part of that funnel. Uh, Well, today, the the customer journey uh, is uh, dramatically different than that. Many of the ways in which people learn about our businesses or come to to like our businesses and come to trust our businesses are are to some degree out of our control. And and that we need to think in terms of instead of creating demand, we need to think in terms of, of organizing behavior. Um, And so the idea behind the hourglass is that it certainly does borrow from that idea of, of, you know, increasingly moving people, guiding people along the path. Um, But it's at that point when they buy that that the, the hourglass shape. Uh, re-expands so that we um, – the idea behind that is that we spend as much time on the customer experience and on on nurturing customers and on creating the, the same experiences that we created in trying to get them to become a customer and get them to become a repeat customer and focus on referrals. That that those are all part of the journey, um, and that the you know the the great thing is that uh, you know a happy customer becomes then your greatest source of new leads. And so, by by having this this focus on kind of guiding people through these stages of no like trust try buy repeat and refer, um, it it puts the it puts the focus on us getting involved in the customer journey at a much earlier point and staying involved at a much later point or in a much deeper point by by putting as much attention on, on conversion and on uh, the experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is so key because uh, we don't end our relationship with the customer once they have bought our most expensive product, even if it was uh, the only thing we could have sold at that point. That is when we continue to build the relationship because, and not only that, we get strategic with the fact that we are, we have a referral. um, We have a system in place to get referrals through this relationship rather than just let this relationship be the last relationship we have with the customer Uh, and that is extremely powerful that mindset is extremely powerful understanding that this is not just one customer it could be many customers in one
1: well and and there's there's even models now that suggest that that if you focus on a great customer experience and and obviously you have to have the products in place or the programs in place to do this But that that you know 20% kind of the old 80 20 thing that 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 20% of your clients let, Let's say you sell a $200 product uh, Is kind of your initial that's how people come to buy you know your your products and services well if you take care of those folks and you continue to nurture them um the the there are models that suggest that twenty percent of them would buy a two thousand dollar product, mm-hmm. um, and that twenty percent of that group would buy a twenty thousand dollar product, and and so if you if you go into this customer journey with that mindset, you can almost build a model out for a million dollar business, you know, based on getting x amount of two hundred dollar clients. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And not only that, those guys will refer you to other people who uh, now you have a much you have a uh, almost like a virally growing business, as long as the customer continues to refer other customers into the business. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about that because that's one thing uh, that was that truly stood out for me in the book: the idea that we have to create a referral system, and not only referral system. It's almost like we have to start with that mindset, and we have to be very systematic and process oriented about it, rather than just hope that a customer will refer most businesses do not have a process or a system in place to get those referrals.
1: Yeah, and it's really odd to 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 some degree. I mean, I, I do get it. They've got lots of things going on, but but when you stop most business owners, uh, especially in the early days, you know, a lot of their business comes that way. Maybe 50, 60, 70% of their business actually comes from a referral or word of mouth. And and so it, it is when you think about that, it, it's it 's a little odd that they actually rarely have any kind of systematic approach in place to to amplify that and to stimulate that they they see how powerful it is and yet they do nothing about it um, and you know some of that comes from a, a mindset you know there are definitely people that I encounter. Um, all the time when I talk about referrals who say well, you know my my idea of a referral program is You do good work and people talk about you and and you know to some degree that's true Obviously you have to be referable you have to do good work or you're you know No, no amount of systematic approach is going to generate referrals, but you know, we're all busy our clients are busy our, You know our customers are busy. Um, we have to make it very easy for them We have to remind them we have to actually make it an expectation uh, that that if we throw them that 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 we're gonna come back and ask for referrals, we have to you know maybe quarterly be putting something out there that says hey here's our you know here's our referral offer for the quarter um so that it just stays top of mind and that you make it easy for people to do you know even even just taking that that twenty percent group that I'm talking about. That are your most profitable clients who refer just even creating some uh, opportunity for them to get together or to to get something premium or, you know, to get extra attention or something, you know, just kind of make, you know, really, really do something for your what I call champions. You know, that that kind of thing uh, really turns into uh, doubling, you know, pretty easily doubling and tripling the amount of referrals that you uh, already get.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. It is uh as and I think you said it very shrewdly in the book that this could be some of the greatest ROI on your time and money if you do it right.
1: Yeah, because you know people that well first off, I, I guess you can say, well, now you don't have the advertising costs and some of the things that might go into you know attracting that lead. But the other things that I find are that in in many cases, you know, a referral comes to you. Already sort of indoctrinated about your approach, and and in many cases uh, comes to you expecting to pay a premium, or at least not coming to you, you know, wanting a deal because. Uh, you know, they've heard about the value that you have been able to get or the result that you've been able to get for their friend, neighbor, or colleague. Um, and so, you know, for those reasons, I, I think referral generation is, uh, is, you know, a significantly better way to grow a business than trying to just generate cold leads from, you know, some sort of funnel
0: campaign. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, this is really powerful, especially, as you said, in the early stages of the business when you're trying to grow and you're getting the first early few clients, that's when it can really... Propel you to the next level. Now let's let's talk about how someone should go about doing that. Like, how should? What are some of the key components of putting a referral system in place so that you're not uh, doing it haphazardly, but you actually are focused and you have a mind, you have a system in place to do it.
1: Well, the the first component, of course, is to make sure that you have happy customers. Uh, again, I you know I can't stress that enough. Everybody wants the tactic for how to how to get their customers to refer. Well, if they're not already referring, <laughs> then you've probably got some issues that need to be addressed uh, in terms of the customer experience or customer service. But if you're already receiving uh, some amount of referrals, there's a pretty good chance that uh, that that people do enjoy doing business with you. So, one of the first things that I like to tell people to do is make it an expectation so during the sales process with your customers, um, I think one of the most positive things that you can say is that you know as you're as you 're sort of agreeing on on doing work for somebody. Um, or as they buy your product that you are, are actually able to introduce the idea that we know you're going to be so thrilled with uh, you know, this product or, or with this engagement or what we talked about doing that at the end of 90 days, we're going to come back and make sure you're thrilled. Um, and at that time, we're going to ask you to introduce us to three other folks that maybe could uh, use the same result. You know, obviously, it'd be different for every business how they would word that. But but the idea of introducing that, you know, somebody's going to be thrilled and you're going to make sure that they're thrilled. And after they're thrilled, you're going to let them introduce you to a couple other people who need to get that result is such a powerful message, marketing message. And, and for most people that that practices and I hear, you know, I've written about this idea Many times. And I hear from people all the time that that they can't believe how simple (laughs) that that one little idea uh, is, but how uh, how much impact it's actually made in uh, getting them referrals. Um, And and it's a you know, you get salespeople very comfortable with with that process. Um, It can be a tremendous way to you know, it's almost like. It's almost like your your clients feel obligated now because they said yes, uh, th- that they would be willing to do that. So that's that's step number one. Um, and then step number two, and this can take many, many forms, uh, is, is to to make sure that you are you have some sort of process in place for uh, what I call moments of truth. So you get that review or you get that. You know, unsolicited email or letter from a happy customer or you get a compliment, you know, when you're you're going out to a customer who who talks about, you know, what an amazing result you've gotten for them. You know, those are places where you can actually I think you're almost invited to say, oh, that's awesome. Thank you. You know, what about somebody else who could use this (laughs) results? Mm -hmm. So make sure you kind of have that what I call moment of truth uh, mindset. And then the third um, component is to come up with some sort of campaign. Um, So uh, that can take many, many forms. I mean, for some people, it is a matter of of, you know, rallying what I call their champions. So maybe having like a quarterly event for everybody that refers business. And, you know, it can just be a very. Uh, social event it can be uh, you know you can have education at an event but you just kind of make these people feel special in some in some form or fashion um, uh, if, if you don't have a kind of a physical way to to bring people together because maybe your clients are all over the the world um, you know having some sort of campaign that you would mail, you know, send out like gift certificates that they can give to friends, neighbors and colleagues and you know for each of those gift certificates the um they would get some sort of discount uh you know by referring somebody. So, you know, having something that that's very easy that you can send out routinely, consistently and that just kind of reminds people that uh, uh that that you're, you know, that you're there and that uh, that you'd love it if they would refer business to you. So, mm. Kind of, that's, those are the pillars, I guess, of of creating a campaign. Obviously, the the creative part uh, can go in many directions, uh, depending upon what your business is and what your objectives are.
0: Got it. Got it. This is great. This is great. Um, so, John, we've been talking a lot about uh, the strategic components, and we've been talking about referrals. Now, let's let's get into you know what you ultimately say, which is you know we have to commit to marketing with a with With all our resources, which is our time and money, with our plan, with the budget and a calendar. Or maybe this ties into my last question, which is always action items. So uh, maybe we put together all of this interview together with the idea of what we need to do going forward. What is the plan forward?
1: Well, so to, to address um, you know one thing I love to tell people is you know when they think about the installing the system they they think in terms of okay I built the system now I'm done well you're you're never done <laughs> so let's just get that with. Uh, you know it's it's really a, a cyclical approach so you know all of these different stages in the system you're, you're constantly re- returning or looping back to those and and refining and you know constantly growing and evolving and and hopefully getting better um, and so that that first off in involves a commitment to you know, marketing as, as a habit or you know conducting marketing as a habit, not as a uh, something that you get around to if you've got time on Friday. Um, and then you have to commit to a planning process, not a marketing plan, <laughs> but a marketing planning uh, process, because that's where the value really is, is is to, you know, once a quarter kind of look at where are we? What have we done? What are our highest priorities? We can only have a couple <laughs> uh, each quarter um, and then get kind of retrench on what you know, what are the projects then that are going to be tied to your highest priorities? And that's just a uh, an everyday Every week you know every month every quarter of uh, kind of process so so that that was kind of my my quick uh, uh, analysis of you know the ongoing effort but if you want to get into uh, the the action items yeah um, the first one I'll give you and I hinted at this already find six or eight of your ideal clients and set up time uh, get them to give you fifteen minutes either in person or on the phone and just ask them a handful of questions. Why'd you hire us in the, or buy from us in the first place? Uh, what do we do that other people don't do? If if you refer us or if you were going to refer us, what would the you know what what would be the words that you would say of why you? Um, love doing business with us it doesn't exactly matter what the words are what you're trying to get at is is the themes that that really do hint at you know what it is that they that they value that they think is unique uh, about what you do and and you know you have to push a little bit it can't be will you provide good service because that's not very helpful what you want to do then is say um you know tell me a time when we provided good service or give me a you know, an example of what good service looks like to you. You want to really you you want to get this conversational because, I, mm. again, you want to be listening for themes that uh, that are sort of repeated, um, because you're going to what you will probably hear is the message that you should be making the core message um, on you know the homepage of your website.
0: Mm.
1: And and that just led me right to number two. Um, So many people on there, take a look. I want you to take a look at your homepage and I want you to tell me if you were a prospective customer and not even a prospective customer, you were just out there kind of looking, starting your search for a business like yours. Is there anything on your homepage that would actually grab you and say, I've got something for you. I know what your problem is and I've got something for you. Uh, Because most of the time what we do is we just lump all the, uh, you know, the stuff that our designer said would make a page look good, but it doesn't have anything to do with the customer. It's all about us talking about all the stuff we do. Um, and so I want you to look at your homepage and I want you to, I want you to objectively ask yourself if I were somebody who was, who had a, a problem that you solved, you know, would I know that within three or four seconds of, of visiting your website? Mm. Uh, and I, I challenge anyone to, you know, 99% of the businesses, the answer is going to be no. Um, then the third point, um, and this one's a this one's a little bigger project, but I want you to create a touch point, what I call a touch point map of your business. And what I mean by that is, what are all the ways in which a customer comes into contact, a, a prospect first, but then a customer comes into contact and journeys through your business. So you know, what are all the? In many cases, you know, maybe. Maybe they see an ad and that's their first point and then they go to your website or maybe they're referred and then they go to your website and then they fill out a form and then somebody contacts them and then they uh, decide to, to have a salesperson come out and do a presentation and then they decide to buy and then so so go through all of those all the way through and then they pay the bill <laughs> and then we go back and try to sell them something more. What we're trying to do is co- is construct this this map of all the places, all the ways in, in which uh, a prospect or a customer comes into contact with your business. And we're looking for gaps. I mean, is the buying process uh, everything that the you know leading up to that was, you know, after. Uh, after somebody buys, you know, do we orient them or, or is there some way in which that we make sure that they get the result? Uh, we're just we're looking for places where we need content or training or campaigns or processes to make sure that the, the, the experience stays very high all the way through uh, from the point at which they come to know us all the way through the point at which they want to rave about us.
0: Great, great. This is awesome, John. A lot of great actionable advice in this interview, tons of great actionable advice in this interview. Uh, And uh, I want to close this interview by asking you to tell us where to find you, where to find all your stuff, because you you are doing great service in this world. Uh, Lots of books, uh, podcasts, the marketing service you do. Tell us all about it.
1: Sure. So the, the easiest place is, is to just send people to duct tape That's D U C T T A P E marketing.com. And as you pointed out, uh, I have a blog there. I've written five books. There's a podcast, uh, uh, well, we, you can sign up for you know, a number of eBooks and uh, additional training that we have, and then we do offer uh, consulting uh, services. And I have a, a network of independent marketing consultants who actually license the duct tape marketing system and use that with their clients all over the world as well. So uh, the, that's the starting point. To but but really, lots uh, lots to consume there.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And our listeners know as well that if they want all these ideas from the interview today, they can just go to 2000books.com slash ideas and we'll have all of them there as well. So John, thank you very much for taking the time to do this. Thank you very much for uh, for your energy and your presence today. Oh, my pleasure. So as more and more people find out about what I do, the question I invariably get asked is, Manny, you've read over a thousand books now. What is the most important success lesson you've learned from all these books? What is it that separates the winners, the successful from everyone else? So I decided to create a free video course to show you exactly what that number one ingredient of success is and how anyone can develop it. You can get it for free at 2000books.com slash success. Well, until next time, my ambitious friends, do something great with your life. Don't waste it.